Welcome to Laughing on the Inside podcast. Your host, Louise Farr, will be taking you on a journey of learning, inspiration and fun. Louise started this podcast to help her learn about the human psyche, which will help her and her coaching business. What has happened is she has found just by doing the first few episodes that she has not only learned about others, but has learned more about herself, which means she can help her clients new and old even more. So do join Louise on this great journey of discovery. And if you would like more information, then do reach out on her Facebook page, at Lottie Global 2020. See you on the inside. So, Paul, hello and welcome to my podcast. Hi, hello, and um, with, with sincerity, I, um, I'm very honoured to, uh, to be asked to be part of it, so... Yeah, thank you very much for that indeed. You're more than welcome. Now, Paul, I've known you for a few years and um, you've recently, over the last year, really turned into not only a, a really good friend, but a sort of a, a mentor, It, but not in the mental sort of way, mainly because you have a very unique way of talking to friends stroke clients. Um, you are, I, I would describe you to anyone that doesn't know you as a very gentle and loving soul, but also a very hard taskmaster. Would you agree with me? Um, I think, I mean, the answer to that, Lou, is yes, because, and I say yes, because that is the feedback that's been very consistent. Um, I think that the adjective that's been, the label that's been attached to me over the years is the contradiction. Because that very focused, driven, steely, just do it mentality belies that more softer exterior and that more pleasant way of being um, on that initial um, perception. So, yes, I would agree with that. And the question that I put to you on what this podcast was going to be about is why did you pick me? And for people that don't know, my background is because over the last year, as you know, I've been going through quite a rough time, but it, you've been right at the very beginning. But we've known each other for a, a couple of years before that, sort of glancing and just sort of, hi, how are you? Very polite, as always. But then suddenly we started to really talk and we've gone from there. Um, my question will be to you, but why pick me? But why pick the people that you pick? And I'll leave that open and you could go go for it from there, really. And it's okay, so let's let's as you say, uh, Lou, park the specific angle of you personally for a moment and go to more general, you know, what is it with me? Um and I've asked this question since you set that tone with me a few weeks ago, I've asked this question to to, to clients of mine and, you know, almost ask them to to give me some feedback on how they perceive me um, in the context of what you've just said. And obviously they're not aware of you, so, you know, there's no kind of confidentiality, but it was a very generic approach. Um, and yet again, just as that contradiction label uh, came uh, has come back to me over many years, what consistently came back, uh, to me, um, from a from a good number of people that really do know me in a professional stroke 
personal capacity is that um, that ability, that intuition to recognise someone that's um, that needs you know needs a bit of an arm around the shoulder, um, that kind of thing. And I think that's that's been born out of my own. Um, very dark years for many, well, for decades around my my addiction, my violence, uh, my addictive behaviour, my limited everything. That that vulnerability that I now totally embrace and acknowledge is a significant part of my makeup and who I am, and I really do respect and honour that as part of myself. Um, and so when I see that in a fellow soul, it's like it's a bit like a beacon. It's like okay. I need to talk to these people, and, and, and it may be that we've got something to share. It may, you know, I don't know what that dynamic is. Um, it's just that, okay, that, that there's, there's a connection here, and that connection for me, um, Lou, is usually in the form of, because I've been to hell and back many, 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 many times, I recognise certain, certain cues, and when I see and pick up on that, it's like, okay, you know, maybe let's have a chat, um, you know, let's strike a conversation, let's try and build a connection. And, and obviously within the client uh, coaching relationship or mentoring relationship, you know, one has to be invited in. You can't push yourself or, you know, I see somebody struggling there, so let me fix their life, which is not a term I like or agree with anyway. It's like, you know, it is about building that, that, that connection, um, you know, for the betterment of, um, either or both parties, usually both parties. Yeah, but where do you get your your styles from? Because as you say, you don't, you're not, you never go da da. Hi, my name, my name's Paul Lowe, and I'm a, t a mentor and a coach. And come follow me. You, you're very, as you say, in the background. So where do you get that sort of style from? Because it's quite unique to. Um, many coaches and mentors that I know? Um, that's a very easy one to answer. Well, I get that from embracing totally who I am, and that's based on years of reflection and development, working with some of the top people, uh, top practitioners in the world, total um, investment in, and conviction and belief in, in myself. And that, that, that came out of a very contrasting situation when I was a kid of 14 when I attempted suicide. And that, you know, that fight or flight moment, and obviously I didn't, um, and that's another story in its own right. Um, but the fact then was I'll never, ever fly again from anybody or anything. I will fight this world and, you know, that for many decades, Luke, that was literally, you know, I was a rebel with or without a cause. And it was like, you know, don't stand in my way. So, I, you know, from a very, very, very early age, I had this unswerving belief that I was put on this earth for, you know, to, to help people. Um, because the reason I didn't commit suicide was... You know, particularly my mother and my grandmother, who were very, very influential uh, matriarchs in my upbringing. Um, it's like I believe in them behind, and my mother particularly needed me because she was taking beatings at the hands of my stepfather as well, as well as I was. And it's like, okay, no, I, I can't walk out and leave her to face, you know, uh, what I now term as face the music. She, you know, I can fight for myself, and I can fight for her as well. And from that very, very crude, almost barbaric 
dark existence, I, I started to, I was on the journey to finding my identity. So I think to answer your question, Lou, when you've got that real, real, real solid, absolutely unshakable belief around who you are, why you're here, the rest really, you know, I don't have to shout from the rooftops because I've got that inner knowledge, I've got that inner spirit. Everything I am and everything I do revolves around that quiet inner confidence and inner peace to say, this is who I am. I don't need an external label. You will make your own, you know, you will make your own judgment on me, whether you, you perceive me to be good, bad or indifferent, because that's what the outside world do. You know, we, we have sifting processes that say, OK, oh, there's a guy that's got a scar down his face and, you know, he's this and he's that. So he must be aggressive. He must be hard. Be careful. Oh, he wears a hoodie. So he's got to be trouble. Mm, just be careful on that label and that's, you know, that perception. So for me, it's about because I have got that inner steel and unswerving conviction about who I am and what I do, and more importantly, my life's purpose, that allows me then to be gentle on the outside because I think that's who I naturally am anyway. Um, you know, many, many years later, through my fighting days, I learned this strategy. Um, and it, you could be in a, uh, in a gang situation, in a, in a bar, in a pub, wherever. Um, and it was very simple, and it, and it actually reflects very much what you're saying. And it was, to me, my attitude then was always to go for the big one, the big loud mouth, mm. and just quietly look him in the eye and say, mm, listen, my friend, we really don't need this situation. I'm sure that deep down you've got the same fears that I've got. Now, let's walk away from this because otherwise a lot of people are going to get hurt. And, you know, just keeping that constant eye contact. Mm. My strategy on that was one of diffusion, diffusion through calmness. But the other side of that was I never actually said these words to my um, potential attacker, but it was like, okay, but don't follow me. Because if you follow me, then that inner steel will come out and then there will be a, you know, there'll be a different outcome. So it, it's, that's very much a kind of uh, a strategy that I adopt um, and developed over many years. And it's the same with people now. It's like, you know, there is this calmness, uh, perceived calmness, but there's all this, you know, uh, also this inner steel to say, okay, if you're in pain, we really, really can. We can move this on. We can do this. But let's not pussyfoot around. Let's, let's be prepared for some stock from stark action because otherwise you're just going to stay where you are. Yeah. And do you, um, for, for your, like for the people that you mentor, do you go for a certain type or certain problem or, um, because we all got, as you say, um, problems or things that we struggle with. Um, but we all got, you know, struggle with it in a different way. Is there a type that you go for or is it um, just a general and it just happens to fall into these categories? It's absolutely the latter. Lou. I don't, you know, I've, I know we, you've heard me say this many times before. Labels are for jars, not people. So I don't put a label on somebody saying he or she's an addict. Mm-hmm. You know, I embraced that for many years as part of my identity. You know, I was... I was a hard-drinking, hard-fighting Irish descent boy. It's total nonsense. It's total nonsense. 
So it's absolutely the latter because I think with these labels, they they become self-fulfilling prophecies. Be very, very careful of the language, the story that you tell yourself. And so for me, it is just that intuition that, you know, it can just be one eye contact that I could have with somebody across a room and the way that something would tell me intuitively that, hmm, let, let me reach out. You know, let me reach out. And then not everybody wants that help. Um, And and then that's fine. And a painful lesson I think I've had to learn over the years is, you know, if they don't want help, back away. Um, And that has been, you know, yeah, but we can sort this. You know, that enthusiasm, that passion, that fire, that desire. We can sort this. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I don't really want to sort it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. No, you want to sort it for me. I'm okay where I am. Okay. And that, you know, from a, from a humanity point of view, I, I'd come at this rather than, you know, the, the coaching and mentoring perspective. I, you know, I think that's where I come from. I do actually struggle with the word coaching per se. Mm. Um, you know, what is a coach? It's, I, I don't know. It, it's not, to me, I feel part of who I am and my life's purpose um, is just, it's almost a label free, if that makes sense. Yeah, because when I when I um, sort of sort of describe you, and I was finding, as you notice, I sort of struggle because I can't put you in a category of a mentor or a coach. Definitely mm. a friend, definitely a very good friend, but I can't. I, there's nothing. I don't like you say. There's no label. There's no slot that you fit in, um, mm. and that's was is my other question is. You never advertise yourself as a coach or a mentor, but you just are Paul Low. Mm. Yes. So um, when you started out and you, you, you said this is what you were going to do, you're going to go out and you're going to help as many people as you possibly can. How did you get, get the word on the street, if you want to say, to say, this is what I do? This is how I can help you without actually standing on speaker's corner and sort of preaching to the masses um, about who you are and what you do. How did you go about? So, because your reputation precedes you. So how did you go about that? Okay, so before I answer that, Luke, can you clarify about the context of my reputation preceding me <laughs> in a good way, in a bad way, in a different way? Probably all three, actually. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, for, well, for for people that don't know of you, um, and quite a lot of people do, that you are um, a very, uh, you are a true gentleman. People always say that you're a true gentleman. Um, and some people say gentle stop man, so it's like two different things. Mm. Um, I I and they say that they you well from what I've heard they not many people know that you do um, coach or mentor or whatever we're going to call this. Um, mm. Other people they just know that you do well. It's like you fly in, do a bit, and fly back out. <laughs> basically because of course because you don't you live in Spain um so not many people know what you do but they always say that you're a very gentle man um and a very good guy to know 
Mm. Um, I've never... Some people don't get you. Some people think you're quite um, eccentric, and I think that's because you wear shorts all the time. Um, <laughs> and flip in January in December. Yeah, in the UK, which is often worries me. I often want to bundle you up and say, for goodness sake, put some long trousers on, young man. Um, but, yeah, so so it's like people go, oh, do you know Paulo? We go, oh, yes, we do, but nobody seems to know what you do. And it's, do you do, this is another part of the question, do you do that on purpose or is it that's just the way it ha has happened? It's very much the latter, Lou. I, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I don't do anything consciously or on purpose because I live my life on purpose. Um, and whilst some might say that's a play on words, I actually do. And in the most respectful, and I really do mean this way, to, you know, to, to the universe, I really don't care what people think of me. And I know that's almost become cliche, but I don't. Because I think when you've been to hell and back and been tested the way I've been tested, and you've witnessed the people that you really, really care about most in life, i.e. your mother, um, you know, go through barbaric cruelty and suffering, you become, you kind of become just, well, back, I don't know if battle-hardened uh, is the right word, um, but you become sort of, oblivious to it Luke. so I really don't care because my focus for me about being on purpose is I'm here to serve I'm here to I know the reason I breathe I know the reason I'm on this earth it is to serve and there's been many times Lou where I've actually said I don't want it I've had enough there was a guy I was connected to um, a few years ago um, 90, early 90s, um, he, was, he was quite senior within the Salvation Army, and I was quite surprised at his turn of phrase, because at the time, um, not being an overly religious man, but certainly I class myself as being very spiritual, um, his, his constant um, feedback to me was, Paul, the work you do, you've been chosen to carry the cross. Now, that really, really alarmed me. And still to this day, I thought, well, listen, I'm not a religious man, but that's, that sounds blasphemous. Yeah. I, my name's not Jesus. I've been carrying... I, I, what do you mean I've been... And I really had a problem with that to a far lesser degree. I mean, I've let it go, but it's still... But, you know, I mean, sort of not getting too bogged down on the semantics of that, Lou, I think what he was trying to say was something now that I except as my vocation. You know, when I was a kid, you was led to believe a vocation was a true calling. So people like doctors and nurses uh, and teachers, uh, were, it was a vocation. It wasn't a job. You couldn't just do it. it had, you had to have something inside you, something indefinable that said, this, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and I absolutely understand that um, because I think that's where I'm at Lou, with my life. It's just... You know, and there's been many times when, you know, I've kind of thrown my dolly out the pram in the past. I, I've had enough of this. You know, I, I'm helping somebody and they don't want it and they're taking the mickey and I'm doing this for them, I'm doing that. The reality was, though, at the time, I was doing it for myself because I was still, you know, what I needed significance. And that significance was needed because of my own suffering and my own vulnerability from my early years' experiences. So, um, yeah. I don't know if that answers your, your question. Yes, it does. Um, and I think because, as you say, you, you're not the labels man. 
Mm. I, you're not, I can't imagine you ever sitting in jars on my window, so a bit of a scary moment there. But um, <laughs> I, th I, for you and what you do, it is, it is um, completely different to other mentors or coaches. And I think because you do more than um, anything than other coaches because usually it's like you do a session and that's it you do another session and that's it and you do another session and that's it and you don't You're, I, I, do you do sessions with people yeah i mean the relationships can last for you see for me this you know i've had this debate so many times with the ethics of coaching and you know the the guidelines and you can't do this and you can't do that it's like bullshit because for me, if people are suffering and in pain, do you really understand what pain and suffering is? Because if you if you did, you wouldn't be bothered around some health and safety policy or procedure, for example. Um, and I mention that because I act, actually in a former life was a health and safety consultant, and it drove me loopy because of the you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, why? Why can't you? Because it says so in Rule 3.2467, Annex this, our Annex... Listen, people are people. We're vulnerable, we're up, we're down, we're real. You know, yeah. there's an old saying, if we cut yourself, let it bleed. That's fine. Yeah. It'll heal. You know, and I, I just, I struggle with, and I still struggle with this, this whole concept of putting things in boxes. And I understand why from a, you know, a human construct perspective, why that happens, because, you know, we need in today's, I think particularly in today's technolo technological driven society, things move so fast and we're assimilating information and, and we need we need to make quick decisions. So we put something in the box. All right, okay, he's got a scar down his face. He wears a hoodie. Right, I'm going to keep away from him. That's okay. Mm. So that's that decision made. I can part that, I can move on. Yeah. Right, Okay. Do you, do you really know who that person is? Do you really know about his or her pain, his or her story? Mm. And that's why I'm massive, massively on the, you know, the podcasting because I believe that everybody has got a message, and I mean everybody. Yeah. Uh, um, from you know, as Brian Clough would have said, from the chairman to the tea lady, which was his metaphor for inclusivity. And I absolutely wholeheartedly believe in that. The fact that, um, you know, a person may be down on their look at any given moment in time on a park bench, and I've been there. Um, well, just be careful with your judgment, because they're for the grace. That could be you tomorrow. Oh, no, it'd never be me. Never be me. I, I wouldn't stoop so low, wouldn't you? Mm, okay. Mm. Just be careful. So... That leads me on to quite nicely. You mentioned your podcast, which is a mastering life. Yes. Can you tell me why you called it mastering life? And um, the the reason behind it is because I know that you actually have quite a few different names that you were going to choose. But mm. why mastering life? Because I think it's it. You know. <laughs> It says what it does on the tin loo because I think what I've learned over over many, many years, as I say, from mainly practical experience, but also amalgamated then with working, as I've said previously, with you know, some of the top influencers in the world. Um, I've got those insights. Those insights 
are necessary. Mm. But for me, the real power of mastering life comes from, from within. And that's what I believe I've got. And, you, and you're absolutely right. I deliberated. You know, I'm a massive Stephen Covey uh, follower. He was very influential in the early parts of my journey. And his eighth habit, you know, find your voice and inspire others to find theirs, I think is a fantastic, fantastic philosophy to have in life. And to me, you know, that metaphoric arm around the shoulder, whether it's a little old lady that's sleeping rough on, on, on the local park or, or, or whatever, you know, let that person tell that story because there's something in there to tell. Um, and so, um, yeah, the master in life is a very generic, but I think at the same time, you know, it literally does say, um, it does say, uh, well, it says what it does on the tin, so to speak. And, and what that allows me to do, Louise, you know, through the medium of the, the brilliant podcasting, you know, make no apologies for repeating. I absolutely love that medium. I think it's a massive, massive sword that's been put in my hand, you know, to fight against um, adversity and, you know, all the stuff I stand for and all the stuff I stand against. And I feel so, so empowered now that for years, maybe I was metaphorically, you know, taking on the crusade with at least one of my hands tied behind my back. Well, now that hand's been free, not only free, but there's a sword in it called podcasting. And that allows me to reach out to people of all walks of life. You know, when we talk about equality, Lou, you know, on gender, race, sexuality, this, that, the, all these labels that society, particularly nowadays, has created, it's like, I don't buy them. Do you know what, for me, the equality is, I don't care who you are, whether you're a multi-billionaire or that proverbial little old lady on the park bench because of what's happened in life. You know, the, the equality for me is through podcasting, let's talk, because we've all got a story and a message to be heard. That, for me, is equality. Yeah. And uh, I've noticed um, that you're, a lot of your um, people that you interview, because I know that you're quite well into your football especially what's that funny team you support <laughs> Nottingham Nottingham Forest is it well it could have been worse Lou I noticed there's, there's a thing going around on social media uh, recently around Forest game with Aston Villa and on the Villa scoreboard they put Notts Forest which to a to a Forest supporter is like no yeah. don't no. don't <laughs> no no um, um because yeah, as I was saying, I think well, I can see that um, a lot of your p people that you've interviewed um, are football based. That's mainly because you know them um, from doing your charity work in your mm. heart's work and because of your enthusiasm and where you were brought up. But there's also a collective of um, other people um that not only have they gone through a bit of a rough patch in their life and some of it's that's an understatement but we won't dwell on it um but they've every single one of them has managed to pull themselves up now yeah. do you find that as a trait that the people that you interview that if they hadn't gone through that rough patch they would never be where they are today Yeah, I mean, as a, as a that's a very very big question. But as a general answer, Lou, 
yes is the answer to that because obviously these you know experiences come and go and that's what they are they're experiences um and they help shape us and and you know um so yes is the answer to that um and for me from a you know from a podcast mastering life podcast perspective you know my, my whole part of um, focusing on those type of people is I know that they've got inspiring messages to share to people that might be going through a challenge of you know x y or z be that what may you know um, that's why I want the di- total diversity um, you know I want to start interviewing one or two teenagers in the new year. Um, you know tell us around the world you know the teenager because we constantly hear the you know the, the general bad but oh, the the young ones nowadays they they've got no respect for their olders well you know that's two-way street that first and foremost they might have tender young years but first and foremost they're a human being have you have you as an adult tried to step into their world because nobody did this to me Lou as a kid it's yeah. like shut up get on with it Kids should have seen and not heard. Do as you're told. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. So that that just fueled my rebellion. It's like, okay, you want to fight? I'll fight. You know, authority. Um, I had a big problem with, um, you know, for, for many many years, which was interesting because I went to join the Royal Marines when I was 19, and, and when I speak to John now, Trainee John, uh, who actually served um, in in that sort of uh, in that backyard. Let's leave it at that. Um, he said you would have made a fantastic marine um, because of your 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 mentality and your spirit. And I said, but the thing is, John, I question everything, and I still do. I still question everything, but I do it in a more constructive manner. In those days, when I was nineteen, I would hit anything that moved. Um, so I often sort of smile, and, and me and John have this conversation regularly about how I would fit, and he's quite adamant. Um, he said they would have broke you and put you back together in in, um, in some very very constructive pieces. So I kind of get that as well. Yeah. Because certainly from the work I do, there's there's a parallel metaphor there, Lou. Um, when people are uh, are really struggling and defensive about you know claiming the significance and really don't like the label of victim or I, I don't subscribe to it, but. For the, for the purpose of, you know, ease of communication, Let, let's temporarily use that label, if I may. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of significance in that. So I liken it to, to you know, first and foremost, I've got to get past that ego because that ego is going to protect, it's going to defend. Yeah, but do you know what? I might be in pain, but it's not better the devil, you know, isn't it? Oh, do you know what? Maybe after talking to you, it's not that bad because my style is very confrontational, very challenging. Uh, but it comes from a massive place of love to, with one thing in mind. Let's remove that pebble from your shoe and take you away from pain. But yeah. you've got to make that decision and you've got to take that action. Yeah. And you saying um, you're, you're quite com- you can be quite confrontational. I've, no- I've known this. I've been there. I've seen mm. the, um, I would say, the military side of you, even though, as you said, you weren't in the military. So I know what it's like to be in front of Paul, the military man, or you will just get it done. Um, so I've seen that. And um, I what I think is, um, well, from what I, I witnessed and actually experienced, is you just like to get things done. 
you just like once you've got your mindset that's what you're going to do so um when you say that with this podcast is a medium that's opened it up so you can speak and touch more people's lives you've really flown with this and you're just getting it done um do you find that more people are connecting with you through it um and that you're helping more people because you've just got it done yeah absolutely Lou yeah absolutely because for me it's look I'm not responsible for what the outside world is doing if people let me down oh yeah Paul I'll be there you know I had an incident recently in the UK where I drove out to somebody's house well where are you to do a podcast where are you Uh, oh sorry um, you know the goldfish died or whatever excuse Mm. it was yeah okay that's fine okay Uh, I'll move on from it it's not meant to be I don't get attached to that anymore. At one time, I'd have been very angry about that. So I'm like, well, you know, why didn't you have the decency to let me know and all that kind of natural response? And it's like, eh, you know, that's fine. Um, so what, I, what I'm, you know, I think once you, you, you have that connection and work on that momentary connection with the universe, Lou, and amalgamated to your reason for being, your raison d'etre, your vocation, call it what you will, then, and let go of that human ego-driven, yeah, but I'll do it my way, you know, um, when, and just to sort of, if I can just flip off to a very sonic tangent, Lou, about you've witnessed, um, you know, that kind of almost military-driven, no-nonsense, just do it kind of approach, which is absolutely, you know, it's in my locker, that's not about me. That is about my interpretation of listening to people talk about the creating a vision, what they want to do, how they want to do it. But they might at any given moment in time, might not just have that confidence or that inclination to push that first domino down. So what I say is, like, okay, maybe, and this is where it goes back to the ethics, maybe ethically I'm, I'm not right in doing that. Maybe I should just gently, okay, you take all the decision. I, you know, you're the one with that that's responsible. But this is probably where, you know, my style does differ because it's like having listened to, to you, the client, the customer, call it what you will, the person, mm. more importantly, the human being, even more importantly, this is what I'm hearing. Tell me this is what I'm hearing. Is this correct? Yeah. Okay. So why don't why don't you do X, Y, or Z? Yeah, that's a good idea. Right. Now you've invited me. You've told me that's what you want. What's the, why aren't you doing it then? Well, the goldfish have just had twins. Don't care. Yeah. Why aren't you doing it? Well, it might be snowing tomorrow. Don't care. Why aren't you doing it? And that's my approach. It's not about me. It's about me holding that metaphoric mirror to keep coming back to to people and saying, this is what you're saying. This is what I'm hearing. This is what actually I'm believing. Why aren't you doing it? Because by doing it, you will be one step forward um, and one step closer to your vision. Your vision, not mine. Yeah. And I Uh, think, yeah, that's where I learned because, um, A, as you know, I should have released these podcasts um, about six months ago but I never put the equipment together and they just sat in the box and you literally came in 10 minutes later it's all done up and you won't get on with it which I mm. thought was a bit scary um, and I think my goldfish had had triplets twice <laughs> and all before that um, 
but your way is completely different to other people's you don't let your that your person that you're talking to or your human that you're talking to get away with it it's not you're not aggressive in the way you do it you just go but why but why and but but why and it's like this annoying child which is 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 the best way especially for me it was the best way and I know to speaking to other people that's what they need and I think that's quite a a good technique but not many people do it is that because somebody did it to you and you've thought this works because it worked for you or is it just something that's inherent in you I think it's just who I am Lou um you know I'm the annoying child uh, yeah, my inner child, and, and that absolutely is a great way to put it. And you know, we've shared the story about um, the canine scenario, and I think actually, Lou, that's it's a nice leading. Do, do you feel that's appropriate for me to share that story now about identity? Yes, uh, certainly. Yeah, I th- yeah. Um, when I was seven. Before my mother remarried, I, as I've already said, I lived with my grandmother and my mother, um, extremely poor in an inner city part of Nottingham, extremely poor, but really, really happy, secure in love. Um, just, and I had a little, or we had as a family, a little mongrel dog called Rocky, little black and white mongrel. I absolutely worship that dog. There's two things um, that I really worshipped other than you know, my mother and my grandmother, and that was Rocky and football, and particularly Nottingham Forest. Um, I don't know where that came from, the, the forest thing. I really don't. It was in there, um, and it grew and grew and grew as the years went by. Um, but Rocky, um, when my mother remarried then, uh, when I was eight, uh, we moved away from uh, my grandmother's house, um, in, in basically what was, it was called mobile only, but it was a caravan, mm-hmm. um, to, to another part of Nottingham in the countryside. Uh, and I hated every second of it because it was farm life. I'd not been used to farm life. Uh, I was a city boy um, and I was used to the, you know, the jungle, the poor, poorness of the jungle. That's what I was used to. I lost all my mates, lost Rocky. Rocky stayed with my grandmother. But I never, ever in my heart lost lost sight of Rocky. So what ensued, Lou, was years, uh, decades of, of darkness through addiction, through violence, through my conditioning, toxic limiting beliefs, judgmental, I will win at all costs. It was survival. It was survival in its most barbaric form. Um, and that's, that's, what, that's what my life was. It was polarised. In my book, Emerging from the Forest, I called it the black and white years because through my alcohol addiction or through my addiction, addictive behaviour, this all or nothing mindset, um, I'd either be on the drink, in which case, boy, let me show you how to drink. We'll go around the clock for six months and then I'll stop it dead. And then I'll go on the white phase of my life. And I'll build myself back up. I'll train really hard. I'll get a good job. I'll get a good relationship. And then I'll sabotage it all again. Mm. So it's talk about yo-yo, polarised yo-yo. So that, that's what it was. So this went on for years and years and years. And, you know, gaining things. What I didn't understand, Lou, there was real self-deservingness issues there because I was brought up to believe you're crap, boy. You're nothing, boy. Don't look at me like that, boy. Mm. Bang. There's another punch. 
there's another slap. There, there's another emotional wound. And I, this went on for years. And so I carried that. So when I did sort of, um, this was relatively recently, by that I mean probably three, yeah, about three years ago, I was taking my daughter to uh, an interview. So I went up to, to her house and she got a beautiful dog, beautiful black and white dog, piercing blue eyes, absolutely, border collie, beautiful, in nature and in looks, stunning, stunning soul. Um, and I was up there waiting for, for my daughter to, you know, to, to finish scaring ready. Anyway. The dog sat there staring at me with his beautiful piercing blue eyes and he never flinched, he just sat there. So I said to my daughter, tell him he's, he's staring at me. It's like he won't take his eyes off me. She said, well, Dad, why is that bothering you? She said, anyway, he's only doing it because he loves you, because he knows you love him. Mm. Now, I've never heard my daughter talk in such emotional terms. What happened, Lou, was my eyes started watering. And so I said to her, my daughter, I said, right, okay, I'll wait for you in the car down the bottom of the drive. So I walked down the two or three minutes later. She, now, this had really, really rocked me to my core. And she she come down and she said, are you okay, Dad? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. And I've gone in this kind of deep, reflective um, mood around what had just happened. And she said to me, these words were etched in my mind and in my, more importantly in my heart, and I'll never, ever forget them. And she said, I have never, ever seen my hard man dad cry. And my response was simple. And therein lies the problem, because your dad is not a hard man. It's a label that people carry, particular, particularly guys. And the reason they do that is to mask their vulnerability and their insecurity. And she said, Dad, I don't understand. She said, I don't do all this fancy stuff for you. I don't get what you're saying. So let me tell you this. Let me put it in real simple terms. I just turned the clock back there by the dog staring at me the way he did. Just turned the clock back to when I was a kid of seven. And that's who I am at my soul. I'm a little boy that's happy-go-lucky, that loves life, that loves animals, particularly dogs, um, but animals in general. And that's who I am. The rest of it was just a lie. It was a facade. It was bullshit. And all those decades, Lou, of that pain and suffering made sense. Okay, now I've got that significant breakthrough about who I am. I'm a little... I'll say to people, how, how are you today, Paul? Oh, the little boy's fine. What do you mean the little boy's fine? Well, that's who I am. Yeah. Who are you, by the way? Are, you know, are you a little girl? or who? Tell me about who you... Never mind me. Who are you? And, you know, we have kind of, you know, we have fun around this identity kind of probing now because the reality is well, that's in there with all of us. But, you know, I think uh, conditioning dictates and you know, society dictates, oh, well, you know, you know, just get on with it and big boys don't cry. Yeah. Well, you know what? This one does. And he's proud to because he loves his vulnerability. He owns his vulnerability. He owns his compassion. He gives fiery love. Do you know what? It's a nice place, nice place to be because some of the peers I grew up with have said to me, Lou, you've gone on soft in the end, but you can't fight anymore. And I just laugh. I just laugh. So let me tell you something about fighting, shall I? It's a fool's game. Unless you're a top professional athlete that's getting paid and making a good living out of it, 
you're just expending so much, so much energy that, you know, and I know some good lads and, and lasses for that matter that, that are involved in the fight game and it's great. You know, listen, that, that's what they do and that's fantastic. But I'm not on about that in a, in a more focused sense. I'm on about people that just fight on the streets for the sake of it, you know, to expend that anger or that frustration. It's, it's a fool's game. And so for this guy that's gone soft, I'm really glad I have because the, the, the option, Lewis, to revert back to those dark, negative, toxic, cruel, hard black days, and there's no love in there, and that's barely in existence. Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, I think from knowing you over the past few years, that I've seen you at a distance, but especially over the last year, your whole, it sort of is an evolving thing that's happening. And I think that's for all of us. We You can't stand still in one place and say to yourself, and here goes the label part, this is who I am and this is what I am, will always be. You, I think we all need to evolve and find where we are in each stage of our lives it's just an evolving thing do you do you agree totally we're constantly regenerating you know I, you know whoever i was yesterday um i hope I'm, i've grown a bit more tomorrow you know that kaizen philosophy um continuous improvement in practice lou mm. um and if i can just say part of my part of that i got approached recently i'll be doing a radio interview when i come back to the uk in, in the new year and one of the questions that was asked was give me your two um two most powerful records and it's interesting that they're both around love because um i know absolutely with total conviction that it is a simple black and white choice between love and fear it, and we do have a choice. Yeah. We do have a choice. Oh, it's all right for you to say that, Paul. You've done, you know, you've been to this and you've done that and you've met so and so. Right, okay, well, that's the joy of mentoring, isn't it? Why wouldn't you? Somebody can offer you an insight or a, a ray of hope that's, that actually is better than, than where you are now. Why not at least listen? Until you've tried it, how do you know? Rather than just dismissing it because. People have a lot of problems, I find, around the word love. Particular, dare I say, souls in masculine energy. Oh, big boys don't talk about love. Mm. Big girls don't talk about love. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Oh, you've gone soft. All right, okay. So with these two records, Lou, um, Foreigners, I want to know what love is, because I think the lyrics in that are really profound, and I resonate with them. But the other one is massively, I, I love music, particularly mm. ballads. Um, and particularly the one, my number one by a mile um, is Shirley Bassey when she sings This Is My Life because the power and the passion that she says and the lyrics that match it I don't give a damn for lost emotions today, tomorrow, love will come and find me I've such a lot of love I want to give let me live, let me live and to me Lou that's a fantastic line and a metaphor for, for living life with passion, with fire and no matter what you throw at me, watch me get back up and come again and again and again and again because I will never say die. And that's the spirit, Lou, that I try and sort of share with other people to say, look, you know, no matter what, because I've heard, you know, the dark stories, we've all been through them, sex, drugs, rock and roll, violence, adultery, murder, child molestation, 
you know, I'll say this sometimes to young kids when they're telling you something or confiding in you. It's like, to them, it's the biggest thing. It's never happened before. Right. And, of course, in their world, from an empathy point of view, that has to be respected. But the reality, the universal truth is, Luke, there's nothing new on this planet. It might get painted a different colour or renamed a different thing, but everything that happens is, is constantly evolving and it's been here from day one. So, yes, I use that as a metaphor to say, you know, we are constantly regenerating. Yeah. Well, thank you re very much, Paul. But you still have to answer the question at the very beginning. <laughs> so right. why me and why people like me? People, right. Okay. And I knew and I was really looking forward to this. So what I'm going to do, Luke, I'm going to put that question back to you. In fact, before I put that question back to you, yeah. I'm going to flirt, and it's only, a, it's only an idea, I'm going to flirt with an idea mm. that, before you answer that, is there, I ask it as a question, and it's certainly not a statement, mm. but by asking that question, is there not a hint mm. that there might be a bit of deservedness issue in there? No. No? No. No, I would say no. Okay. I know why I, uh, I um, let, in a way, let you in, but I want to know why on the other side of it. So, And I've always told you why, that I think you're a very gentle soul. And at the time of what I was going through, I didn't need someone brash and say, you know, you've got to go down to the depths of your boots to come back up and change your life. And I didn't want that and I didn't need that. I was quite well aware I was in the depths of my boots. What I didn't want is to someone tell me that's what I needed because it's, it's a bit like I'm freezing cold, but I don't need a blanket because we're all yeah. quite dependent or independent at certain points. But I want you to answer the question, what did, or I can say it in another way, what did you see in me for you to choose me? Okay. And, and this is, I suppose, from a, a more sort of... Um, um, mentoring perspective, Lou, um, because I've obviously had the benefit, and my answer would have been the same anyway. Because, uh, and I will give it, you know, I will give an insight and an answer. But before I do, Lou, I want to, if I can, I kind of want to coax out of you what you think the answer is. What, I, if I can, and I know that might initially seem like a bit of a Hang on, no, this is my podcast. I'm asking the question. That's a bit of a get-out-of-jail strategy. It's not. Please bear with me on this uh, because I have got a definitive response to that. But before I give that response, I would like to, if I may, if you're comfortable with it, just sort of say, okay, Lou, um, I, I will absolutely answer that question. But give me your insight about why you think I did it. Um. From knowing you over the last year, um, because it is coming up to on this side of our relationship or friendship, um, yeah. from knowing that, I would say that you realize I put my hand out to you, um, just because I started we started a conversation and I'd often said hello to you, um, but never really stood and had a conversation. And I think you realize that that was me putting my hand out to you to say I need help 
and I, I, but I need to trust you because yeah. as you know, me we, um, now is I don't, I didn't at the time let a lot of people in. In fact, not many people knew what I was going through then. And, you know, still. So um, I think that was my, I think you saw that, um, that I had trusted you from just having the conversations and, seeing how you were with other people that's my perception and for me that is yeah i mean my wording's slightly differently but it's the same sentiment what i so this is my answer to your question and it's a it's a brilliant question by the way what i saw was a a very vulnerable little girl a very vulnerable little girl that was hurt was confused and she just probably needed a little bit of a big brother at the time, somebody to put her arm around and say, look, I know, it'll be okay, honestly. And do you know what? In those moments when it's not okay, do you know what? I'm here for you, girl. I'll fight for you. Do you know, because whatever you want to put on the table, and I don't care what it is, it can be absolutely anything. First of all, you're not going to shock me. Secondly... The reality is, because of my diverse life experiences, if I haven't got a direct understanding of it, and of course none of us have got direct understandings of every conceivable situation in life, we can gain an appreciation, or you know, depending on what the context is, or we can fully empathise, or we can fully understand. Mm. So what I saw, Lou, but more importantly, not so much what I saw, but what I felt was that energy, that almost desperation, that intuition. My intuition kicked in. It was like a radar that said, right, go there mm. and sort this. You know, this is my kind of military mentality. Go over there and sort this. Mm -hmm. And obviously it wasn't sorting in a brutal. Oh, Lou, just get over yourself. What's your problem? Mm. Come on. Oh, stiff up a bit. You've been, you've been in the military. You know the script. Come on, Lou. What's up with you? No, 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 no. It absolutely wasn't. Because there was a sensitive little soul in there, a little girl, a little vulnerable girl that wants to actually, do you know what? I forgot how to put my wellies on and just jump up and down in the puddles outside and fall over and, and, and you know, and get mud all over my face and, and all that kind of stuff that little girls and little boys do. And that's what I saw, Lou, and that was my intuition um, that kicked in. And, and I think through experience that was getting more and more and more um, that scenario is presenting itself, and I think when you set that intention to the universe, and I'm developing my relationship with the universe, and it is a relationship, and it's a very um, intimate one, and I don't mean that in the sense of physically, obviously, but I mean that, that trust, that faith, that equality, all that stuff that we've alluded to look at the top of this um, this podcast interview, I'm constantly developing that, so my awareness is ever increasing, um, you know, awareness for me is the starting point for everything because if we're not aware of something, then we can't change it. So my awareness around you was this little girl needs, she needs a big brother at the moment. Do you know what? I, I, I want to help her. Mm. Uh, and because of your pain at the time, you were prepared to let me in. Now, some people won't, you know, they can kind of semi-acknowledge, yeah, that's where I'm at, but... Um, you know, don't want you in there. Okay, that's fine. That's 
and that's you know that's the kind of spiritual maturity I've got these days. So it's your journey, it's your decision. I'm here whenever you want to reach out. So that's that's kind of in very simplistic terms, Lou. That's what it was all about. Yeah. Well, as I would say, thank you, Big Brother. Um, you youngster, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you've got it hit the nail on the head, and I I love your perception and the way that you. You, you just know. Um, so you did promise to answer the question. I don't think it was actually the answer that I expected, but in a way, knowing you now, yes, it is completely true. Because um, so, we all as all as human beings have this trust problem, and when, but when we do open the door, and if only we realised it, there's an awful lot of brilliant people out there ready to hold your hand. Yeah. Um, so if I can just come in, Lou, on that expectation, you know, I've got to say, beware the power of expectation. Can I, I mean, can I kind of just put the, the ball back in your court and say, well, what was the expectation of, of my perceived answer? Because I, I, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> I think my, I think you were going to just say that you, you knew that I was willing, um, that I, it was all front, that you, a lot of people see of me because that's that is what what people see of uh happy go lucky quite you know um sorted person um with you know no worries no nothing and i was but you saw a crack but just a crack um yeah. you've you got me really when you said that it was like i needed a big brother because i'm very very i love my brother and me so much but he's lives in Australia so he's never there f always for me when you need him if I phoned him up at this time in the morning I think he would kill me at two o'clock or, or whatever it is I think it's four in the morning over there at the moment um mm -hmm. so yeah that's what I did need uh, and you saying it I realized that's what I needed um so now I've got two brothers so I'm quite happy but yeah I just thought you saw the crack underneath the tough exterior that I think the more you hurt the more you tend to you know as a person put um on in front front of people if you've got a job to do and this is the military sort of you just get on and do it and it doesn't matter what rubbish is happening in behind the scenes you just get on and do your job but you saw through the rubbish and realized there's a whole heap of stuff was happening. So for that, I will always, as you know, be internally grateful. Um, but my last question to you is, Paul, where now? Where now? Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, right. My pur I've got a threefold purpose. Mm -hmm. Firstly, to help people find their purpose, because purpose is absolutely critical. I use the metaphor of if we don't have a purpose, it's like being a ship without a rudder. We're going to be tossed around in life's oceans from rock to rock to rock. Mm -hmm. Eventually, we're going to get so damaged that we just sink. So having a purpose is like having a rudder on a ship. It helps us with direction. So that's the first part of my purpose is to help others find their purpose. Yeah. The second part, we've already touched upon this, Lou, is helping people get their message out there. 
whether that's through a book, whether through its podcast, people want to be heard. People need to be heard. Some people do it differently. Some people want to shout through the rooftops, I have a dream, mm. to the masses. That's great. You know, these, these are social leaders. These are game changers. Yeah. Other people might just want to quietly whisper confidentially on a one-to-one in the corner and the, the, you know, the, the security of their own home. I've got to, Lou, I need to tell you something in, in confidence. I, I, I must tell somebody about X, Y, or Z, Arabian It's a message I need to share. It's a story, whatever. You know, irrespective of where they are on those two very diverse um, angles of the scale, Lou, mm. we, all have a, we all have a voice and we need to be heard. So that's the second part of my purpose is helping people to, to get their message out there. Yeah. But the big one for me is to create a global network of social leaders because when I look back on my life's purpose and all my experiences and everything I've stood for and all the lessons I've learned and all the people that's influenced me and loved me and supported me and those that haven't, because even those that haven't, I now have got the acceptance to say, well, I suppose they come from a place, they did the best that they could with what they had at the time, you know, even if that was detrimental to me personally or to my ego, should I say more importantly. It's who they are, you know, and, and everybody's on their own journey. Yeah. So when I look back, Lou, on what I've achieved in terms of community initiatives, charitable initiatives, group situations, one-to-ones, that's been, it's been a monumental learning curve. What I now embrace and accept, and this is part of my developing relationship with the universe, is, okay, Paul, so if you can do that as an individual, what could you do? If you could bring together and be part of a global team of similar kind of people where we all live and grow together, we all share the same philosophy, we all share the same vision, but we go about it different ways. And and that's fine. To go about it a different way is fine. That's called individuality and that's who we are. That's our core. So that diversity is great. The glue that keeps us going together in the same direction, and this is a bit of military thinking, I suppose, is is that vision. This is what we're going to do, guys. And I will, you know, for me, I'm totally just as I was when I was 14 and made that do or die decision around, no, from now on I'm going to fight. Well, now my fight takes on a far, 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 far more powerful punch, one on a world stage to say, okay, you know, potential global leaders, look out because I'm coming for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, then, Paul, I wish you all the best. Your your podcast is called Mastering Life, yeah? Mastering Life, yeah. Okay, and we could get it on iTunes and Stitcher and any other platforms. Yeah, iTunes, Stitcher, on the all the main um, podcast platforms, yes. Okay, cool. And you have... Um, you're on Facebook as well, yeah? Yes, I'm on the Facebook. Um, I've got a, a, a Paul Lohart's um, page. And, um, yeah, I'm on all the social all the social media platforms under the name of Paul Lohart's heart. So uh, H-E-A-R-T-S. Right, okay. Well, th- I know that they're all out there, and I do listen to your podcast because I'm a very good girl. 
looking for my little inner one. I'm going to go and find some little red wellies now because that's what I'm going to go for in, in puddles. Um, but I'd just like to say thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute amazing um, time talking to you and doing your interview. And I've loved every minute. And I'm sure everyone who will be listening to this podcast will as well. So I wish you all the best of luck and I'll speak to you very soon. Okay, well, thank you once again for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure to, you know, to be able to share my insights and like say, I just hope, you know, somebody somewhere will take uh, some value or, you know, some benefit from, from them. Great. Speak to you soon. Thank you, Lou. Bye. 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 Thank you.